someone has wisely said that if, if Jesus did not rise from the grave, then nothing really matters. But if he did, nothing else matters. Let's look at some of the voices that say Jesus rose from the grave. Today, I'll be on the notes. And some cynical, philosophically-minded person might say, you know, the, most of the arguments that are articulated arguments for the resurrection are found in Scripture. And you know what? They're right. But it's also fair to say the arguments against the resurrection are not found in first or second century sources. There are no first or second century arguments being made against the physical resurrection of Christ. You know why? Because among those that were writing about or within Christianity in the first and second centuries, there were still too many eyewitnesses of the resurrection around or people who had had firsthand interactions with eyewitnesses to the resurrection. So get that. Before you acknowledge the, the philosophical weakness of arguments for the resurrection being within Scripture— You've got to also acknowledge the huge gaping hole of there's no one writing in AD 50, AD 75, AD 150 saying the resurrection, the physical raising from the dead of Jesus didn't happen. You have to get centuries later before somebody says, well, you do know that resurrection is impossible. Therefore, it did. Well, the fact that it's impossible is entirely the point. Let's look at some of the answers to the question, who says that Christ was raised? These arguments are encapsulated most succinctly in the first part of 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Uh, Brief, shallow belief that doesn't last is not real belief. Of course, we know that. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, that goes not just for New Testament scriptures, but for Old Testament scriptures. There are, there are certain Old Testament scriptures, actually quite a few, that, that uh, prophetically anticipate the fact that Jesus Christ would die, but he wouldn't stay dead. I, I brought a couple with me. Um, Psalm 16, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, here meaning the grave. You will not abandon my soul to the grave or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasure forevermore. This is a messianic prophecy of the resurrection of Christ. Isaiah 53 is a, is a prophecy of the sacrifice of Christ, but it's also a prophecy of his resurrection. Verses 8 through 11 of Isaiah 53, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was 
cut off for the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Remember Joseph of Arimathea, who loaned Jesus his tomb, was a rich man. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he, was, he has put him to grief. But when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. Now that's after he's been made an offering for guilt. He will nonetheless prolong his days. He'll live again. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities, but he also will prolong their days. So the word says that Jesus will rise from the dead. And of course, in our time, that word certainly includes the New Testament narratives of his resurrection. Not only the word, but the witnesses. Verses 5 and 6 of 1 Corinthians 15. And he appeared to Cephas, that is Simon Peter, and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, as of when Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians, though some have fallen asleep. Now think about those witnesses. Uh, oh, then verse seven, then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. So these multiple appearances by Jesus to, to Simon Peter. And we see that, that Simon Peter goes from being the night before the crucifixion. Simon Peter famously denied that he even knew Jesus multiple times, three times. But then 50 days after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost, 49 days after the resurrection, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching boldly to thousands of people what made the difference. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection. When someone is brutally murdered without question and then doesn't stay dead, that's a big deal. And it changed Simon Peter's life. He, wrote, he appeared to the uh, apostles. He appeared to more than 500 witnesses. And as of the time he wrote 1 Corinthians, Paul is here saying, and if you don't believe it, go ask, go ask one of them because a bunch of them are still around. And those vocal witnesses to whom Jesus appeared had scattered throughout the, the known world and were telling the story of Jesus being alive. Then he appeared to his half-brother James, who became a believer after the resurrection. Um... There were plenty of eyewitnesses. And again, on the Saturday, we read it in Matthew on the Lord's Day, on the Saturday that Jesus was dead in the grave, the, um, the body of Jesus was dead in the grave. The Jewish leaders appealed to Pilate to say, you better seal the tomb up good because they're going to steal his body and claim he rose again. But you know what? Nobody actually made that claim because they would have been laughed out of school. The resurrection of Jesus was given. How the enemies of early Christianity would have loved to be able to support the claim. Hey, you know the resurrection wasn't real, and there's just no record of anybody even trying that because it was just known to be the case. Jesus had come back to life. And then not only the, the word and the witnesses, but the uh, the wicked one himself, the apostle Paul, verses 8 through 10. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. 
For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, and in his former life he had. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. The Apostle Paul's life was turned upside down by his encounter with the resurrected Christ, changed everything, ultimately cost him everything, including a martyr's death in the early A.D. 60s. But once you know for sure that the dead sacrifice, Jesus, yet came back to life, that changes everything. So, sort of end where I began. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ didn't happen, nothing matters. Nothing matters. But if the resurrection of Christ did happen, and it did, then in the end analysis, dear friend, nothing else matters. I hope by now that you're, you're sharing or subscribing. I hope these podcasts are a blessing to you, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week on Beyond the Notes. Mm-hmm.